Kids and students, I have a job for you. Kids, students in the room, pay attention, focus right here for a second. Parents, get their attention for me. Kids and students, I have a job for you. There are four things I need you to go quickly and find throughout your house. I'm gonna put them on the screen right now so you know what they are. I need you to find a stuffed animal, a pillow, a book, and a shoe. Four things, surely you have some of those things throughout your house. If not, don't worry about it, not a big deal, but go and find a stuffed animal, a pillow, a book, and a shoe. Kids, students, go and find those four things, and when you get them, bring them back. That's gonna help us this morning as we walk through uh, our story we're gonna look at this morning. So ready, kids, students, go. Stuffed animal, pillow, book, shoe. Hey, parents, as they're off doing that, uh, there's something that I'm sure you've noticed that I've noticed as well, especially during this time, that the longer this crisis continues, it feels like we just have more and more questions that we're asking with not really any answers. I mean, at least I'm asking questions like, first and foremost, when in the world am I going to get a haircut? <laughs> so no judging if I start preaching in a hat here in the next couple Sundays. But our life has changed so much. We have a lot of questions. Uh, the norms of our life we talked about last week have drastically and dramatically been changed. We're asking questions like, are our kids going to go back to school? What about our summer vacation plans? What about my job? What am I going to do for a job? What's happening with the economy? How long is this going to last? See, with those questions and all the other questions that I'm sure we're all asking the hard part is we're not getting answers with those questions. In fact, every one of those questions, usually the response followed up is, we just don't know. We have no idea. All the questions being asked and no answers being given. In Hebrews chapter 11, we're told this. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. See, we've been talking a lot about faith. It's a, it's a hot topic right now in the midst of this crisis. We're talking a lot about faith and you might be thinking, well, I'm not sure I have a lot of faith. So let me just say, whether you feel like you've got a lot of faith or a little faith, strong faith or weak faith or anywhere in between, my hope and my prayer is that your faith would grow in this season. That your hope in Jesus, your confidence in Jesus, your trust in Jesus, your faith in Jesus, my hope and my prayer is that it would grow through what we're walking through. In fact, there's a prayer I want us to pray together, not just me saying it, you listening, but I want us to actually say this out loud. So let me put this prayer on the screen and wherever you are at, at home, wherever, I want us all to say this prayer together. Here we go. Say it out loud with me. Oh Lord, thank you for my faith. Sustain it, strengthen it, deepen it. Don't let it fail. Make it the power of my life so that in everything I do, you get the glory as the great giver. Jesus, we come before you all over the place right now, physically all over the place, but also faith all over the place. So Jesus, I would ask that you would, that you would grow our faith, that you would help us recognize where we are and how we can take next steps in growing closer to you and deeper in our faith. Jesus, as we look in your word this morning, may you open our eyes, may you open our hearts, may, be, may we open, may our ears be open to what you are gonna say to us individually today. Speak, Lord, we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Throughout scripture, there are 
two instances where Jesus was amazed, where it actually said Jesus was in that word amazed. And in both of those situations, in both of those instances, Jesus was talking about his amazement of someone's faith. They both revolve around faith. In one example, in one instance, it was Jesus amazed at their lack of faith. In another instance, it was Jesus amazed at the abundance of their faith. So that's what we want to look at. If we're going to talk about faith and we want to grow in our faith, let's look at the example of Jesus being amazed at this individual's abundance of faith. Kids, students, hopefully you're back in the room. Hopefully you got your four objects. We're going to use them in just a second to help walk us through this story. So here's where we're going to be the rest of the morning. Matthew chapter eight, starting in verse five. Look for that word amazed. Here we go. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion or an official in the Roman army, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve. That's going to be important. We're going to talk about that a lot here in a minute. I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority. With soldiers under me, I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was, say it like you were here, amazed. He was amazed and said, and said those, to those following him, truly, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such, look at this, great faith. Jesus was amazed at this man's faith, at such great faith. Verse 13, here's what happens next. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And a servant was healed at that very hour. Amazed. That, that word amazed typically throughout the gospels is used by other people talking and describing Jesus. People were amazed at Jesus's words. They were amazed at his miracles. They were amazed at his teachings. They were amazed at his fill in the blank, his wisdom. But we don't see it very often where Jesus was amazed with somebody else. And in this story, he was amazed at this man's abundance of faith, at his great faith. He was amazed at his faith. And what's encouraging to me is it wasn't just a man that we would maybe assume had great, amazing faith. Like we would, we would expect that out of a disciple, out of one of Jesus's disciples, wouldn't we? We would have expected amazing faith from a rabbi or another religious leader. But I'm greatly encouraged because the most unexpected person had the most amazing faith. A Roman soldier, a centurion, Jesus said, had amazing faith. But what made it so amazing? What was it that made Jesus say, wow, you have amazing faith. I haven't seen such great faith in anybody else. What made his faith so amazing? In fact, we're going to look at four different parts of his faith that made it so amazing. And this is where all those objects you went and got, those are going to help us. So first one, you got your stuffed animal. Let me introduce you to, to Bunny. This bunny, this stuffed animal has gone through each of my three kids. And here's what they use bunny for, right? It's what we have all used stuffed animals for. Parents, you see this with your kids as well. Is anytime they get hurt, what do they want? 
their stuffed animal. Anytime they get sick, what do they want? Their stuffed animal. Anytime they get scared, what do they want? <laughs> their stuffed animal. And what's interesting is I've watched each of my kids kind of pass Bunny down uh, to, to their siblings is there comes a point where they almost outgrow the stuffed animal, doesn't it? So my oldest, Connor, at one point, he always had Bunny with him. But now not so much, and it's been passed on. It's interesting how we have certain go-tos at certain parts of our life, but as we get older, those change. So I would say what we see in the centurion's life, at least in this part of his life, is that kind of faith where he still goes to the right person. Urgently, immediately, quickly. This is an urgent faith. Just like kids will, will quickly and immediately go to a stuffed animal in times of need, maybe even before mom and dad. The centurion goes to Jesus immediately. He has an urgent need that needs immediate and urgent attention. In fact, if you look, notice what he does. It says a centurion came to Jesus asking for what? You remember? Asking for help. He had a need, an immediate need. And he quickly, with urgency, went to Jesus, showed he had an urgent faith. What we don't see is this laid back kind of a faith of a, well, whatever, whenever, when you get around to it, no big deal. It's not laid back at all. Can only imagine if, if you're like me and you've got your kids at home, we're adjusting to homeschooling, how difficult it is to get your kids going in the morning, at least for our kids. It's waking them up. Come on, we got to get going. Let's eat breakfast. Let's brush our teeth. Let's get dressed. You got to start your homework. It's like dragging them along, isn't it? There's no sense of urgency whatsoever for my kids in the morning. It's the complete opposite with our faith. Should be, at least. Where we quickly, immediately, with urgency, run to Jesus in our times of need. Hebrews chapter four speaks to this as well, an urgent faith. Hebrews tells us, let us then approach God's throne of grace, look, with confidence. Why? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We quickly go to Jesus when we need him. So let me ask you, do you have urgent faith right now? Are you going to all these other things before going to Jesus? Or do you quickly and immediately go to Jesus in your time of need? Urgent faith. The second part of his amazing faith we see is a humble faith. And we know he had a humble faith because of this word. And I told you to pay attention to it. Here's where we're coming back to it. It says, when, when he came to Jesus, he came to Jesus with urgency. He said, I need your help. Jesus asked him a question. Well, should I, should I come and help? Should I come and heal? And he says, Lord, I don't deserve. There's the word. I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. See, if anybody felt, would have felt deserving of Jesus helping, it would have been this man, a centurion who had a title, who could have very easily have been entitled. Instead, he said, I'm not even deserving to have you in my home. Oftentimes, and I would say unintentionally, we approach Jesus instead of with humility, with entitlement, with a sense of I deserve. Often we come to Jesus and say, well, Jesus, you know who I am, right? Jesus, you, you've seen all the good I've been trying to do. Jesus, I, I attended online church today. So therefore I deserve for you to answer my prayers the way that I want, right? And the, the centurion could have come to Jesus with the same deserving entitled mindset of saying, ah, you know who I am, right? You know my status, you know my title, Jesus, you know my reputation, you know the power that I have. 
I'm deserving of this. Yet he does the opposite. He comes to Jesus quickly, but with a humble heart and a humble posture saying, Jesus, I don't even deserve to have you in my home, but would you help? First Peter speaks to the humble heart and the humble faith as well. First Peter chapter five, verses six and seven. We're told, humble yourselves. There it is. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Look at this. And some of you just need to hear verse seven. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves before God. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you for you. If we want to hand those anxieties over, if we want to receive that care from him, then on our part, what we need to be able to do is to humble ourselves before him. Take that posture of humility. Do you have your, your second object we talked through? Got the pillow? Because what the centurion did was he said to Jesus, I need your help, urgent and quick. But he also came with humility. He says, I'm not even deserving of you coming into my home. A phrase that we've used before, if you've been with us is he's the king and I'm not. That's exactly what the centurion is doing. The centurion comes with open hands, with a humble heart, with a humble faith and says, Jesus, you're the king and I'm not. It's your will be done, not my will be done. I'm not deserving, but Jesus, if you are willing so as we come to Jesus with not just an urgent faith, faith, but a humble faith, may we have that same posture and that same heart of he's the king and I'm most certainly not. So we have an urgent faith that says we need to go to him quickly, go to him with urgency. We have a humble faith that says it's not about me, but it's all about him. I'm submitting to him under his authority. I love what Max Lucado said in regarding a humble faith. Max Lucado said, faith is not the belief that God will do what you want. It is the belief that God will do what is right. Your will be done, not mine. He's the king and I'm not. Urgent faith, humble faith. Let's talk about the third aspect of this man's amazing faith. For this one, we need our book. Did you get your book? Got a book. What does a book represent? A book represents what? Smarts or knowledge, insight, information, understanding, right? And here we see this centurion have a smart faith. Now I'm not talking a smart faith as in a know-it-all faith. I mean a smart faith where he understood something. He recognized something. He had knowledge of something. He had a very knowledgeable and smart faith. So let me show you his smart faith. Look back with me because I don't want you to miss this. See, he comes to Jesus with, remember, an urgent faith. I need your help with a humble heart, humble posture, humble faith. I'm not deserving. But then Jesus asked him a question. Jesus said, well, shall I come and heal him? And anybody else I would imagine would say, yes, please. Yes, hurry and come to my house. Yes, hurry and come and see my servant who is in desperate need of your help. Jesus, yes, hurry, please come over to my house and touch him. Lay your hands on him and heal him. I feel like that's what most people would say. But the centurion said something extremely different. He said, Lord, I do not even deserve to have you under my roof. We just talked about that, but look at this. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. 
For I myself am a man under authority. With soldiers under me, I tell them to go and he goes. I tell that one to come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. See, for me, this is maybe the most amazing and incredible part of this man's faith. He understood something about Jesus. He recognized the authority of Jesus. He knew who Jesus was and said he was. Do you know Jesus? Do you know who he is? Not do you know of him, but do you truly know him? Do you know what he thinks about you? Do you know the promises he's made for you? Do you truly know who he says he is and who he truly is? Throughout Jesus's ministry, his his authority was questioned. His identity was constantly being questioned as he claimed being the son of God. Many people pushed back and resisted that. And in one instance, I want to show you this. In one instance, Jesus was being questioned about his authority and his identity. And I want you to see how he answered them. In John chapter eight, verse 58, Jesus responded when being questioned about his authority and identity. He said this, very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Did you catch that? Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am. Does that, does that phrase, I am, sound familiar? It should. Think back to Exodus, when God was sending Moses to Egypt and Pharaoh, that whole Ten Commandments part, right? And the whole plagues and everything. Remember that part? So understand, when Moses was going to go to Egypt and talk to Pharaoh, he said, well, who should I tell them sent me? What's your name, God? And God gave himself the name, I am. God said, tell them, I am sent you. Do you understand what Jesus is claiming here? He's saying, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. I am, not I was, or I might be, or I could be, or I hope to be. He says, I am the same name God has given himself. Jesus claims the same. He says, I am him. He says, I am able. I am in control. I am over all things. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the ultimate authority. Jesus says, I am. And the centurion recognized that Jesus is I am. And when we truly know Jesus and we put our faith in who he really is, son of God, then it kind of makes sense to put our faith in him, doesn't it? Because if Jesus truly is I am and the ultimate authority, then it makes sense to just put our faith in him, which is exactly what the centurion recognized. Recognized Jesus's authority, the fact that he is exactly who he says and claims to be. So we have an urgent faith, come to him quickly, come to him when we have a need. We have a humble faith that says he's the king and I'm not, I'm submitting to him. We have a smart faith, a knowledgeable faith that says, I recognize and believe Jesus is exactly who he says he is, that he is, I am. Our last one, what are we left with? That's right, the shoe, the shoe. Something happens at the very end of this story that reminds us to have an active faith, not a passive faith. And we're going to talk about the difference there, but a very active faith. Let me show you what I mean. The very end of this story you look at verse 13, 
Matthew chapter eight, verse 13. After Jesus was amazed, goes back and he says, go. Jesus tells the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. See, he came to Jesus asking for help. And Jesus was amazed at his faith. But then Jesus also said, go home. And you're going to have to trust me. And you're going to have to believe in me. You're going to have to have faith that I will heal him without coming with you. See, now that's putting it, that's putting some action to it, isn't it? Imagine this centurion coming to Jesus, asking for help. And Jesus saying, I will help. Your servant is going to be healed. Now go home. And the centurion is going to have to walk home not knowing for sure if his servant was truly healed or not. I would imagine that those thoughts walking home would be thoughts of hope, but also thoughts of uncertainty that I've got faith and I've got hope that Jesus is doing exactly what he said he would, that my servant would be healed just like Jesus said he would, but he doesn't know until he gets home. That active faith we have to put obviously into action. A couple weeks ago, I did something that I'm sure most of you had, had been doing as well. When we started getting the news of schools closing and, and restrictions being placed, I, again, like many of you, went to the grocery store to not totally stock up for the next year and a half, but to stock up at least for the next week, week and a half to make sure we had enough food in the house and everything else. So I got back, we put everything on the shelves and stocked our pantry, stocked our refrigerators. And something happened in about three days in our home. I started to notice all of that food that I had stocked up and stashed on the shelves, all that food was quickly disappearing. Now, some of you that understand my situation, you already know where this is going. I discovered where the food was going. What do three kids do that stay home all the time? They eat all the time. And finally, I caught him in the act and I saw him pulling food and snacks off the shelves and it wasn't even dinner time. It wasn't lunchtime, not breakfast time, not even snack time. It's like they eat every hour on the hour. And I finally stopped and I said, guys, guys, you have to stop eating all our food. And then I said this phrase, we have to ration our food, <laughs> a phrase my kids had never heard me say before. And they stopped and they looked at me and with all the confusion in the world, they say, why dad? We're hungry and there's food. And it was in that moment, I recognized that we do this with our faith. That we oftentimes, especially as we get older, we take our faith and we put it on the shelf. And we say, the, my faith is there if I ever need it. My faith is there when I need it. My faith is there just in case of an emergency. But the childlike faith says, I need it all the time. I need it right now. Why wouldn't I? use it. So instead of keeping your faith on the shelf, may we lean in, may we be active in our faith each and every moment of every single day. Jesus himself even says, he describes himself as the bread of life, meaning you need him all the time, not just occasionally, not just for emergencies, but an active faith says, Jesus, I need you every moment of my every day. That's an active faith where we are constantly living it out. We are constantly putting our trust and our hope. Remember what Hebrews 11 said? And our confidence, our faith in him. So let's go through them again. We have our, our urgent faith. The centurion had an urgent faith. He quickly went to Jesus because he had an immediate and an urgent need. He also had a humble faith where he was submitting to Jesus saying, I'm not deserving, but would you still be willing? 
He's the king and I'm not. A smart faith that recognizes exactly who Jesus is, to know him so much where it just makes sense to put our faith in the ultimate authority. And also the act of faith that says we need him every single moment of our every single day. Here's what I want you to do. And I want you to comment in the comment section here in just a second as well. I want you to pick one, one of those, the urgent, humble, smart, or active. If you were to pick one of those aspects of the centurion's faith, which one do you think you need to lean into this week? We all have a lot of areas to work on and we all need to grow in our faith. I get that. But would you be willing to just pick one? Do you need to work on the urgent of, I mean, I just need to go to Jesus first. Anytime I have a need, he needs to be my first go-to, my first response. Maybe you need to do that. If so, write urgent in the comments. Maybe you need to work on the humble faith where instead of coming to Jesus with a sense of entitlement and being deserving of something, we come to Jesus with humility and submission. If it's that one, write, write humility or humble faith in the comments. Maybe it's a smart faith that says, I need to just spend more time knowing who Jesus is, recognizing and believing with all my heart that he is I am and he is in control. If that's your case, then write smart in the comments. And lastly, if it's active, if you have a faith, but it's been sitting on the shelf, maybe you need to lean into that each and every day. If that's you, write active in the comments below. Our team, our online hosts wanna be able to pray with you and even help you navigate what that looks like to lean into one of those this week. But, but let me say this, like I said, we all have things we can work on. But I, from my perspective of what I have seen as, as your pastor of this church, I have seen something that has amazed me over the last two weeks. You, you as our church, I have been incredibly amazed at your faith. Our world has been turned upside down over the last two weeks. And I have seen incredible and amazing faith through you, through our church. The generous and constant giving the engagements online, the sharing of, of scripture online, the encouragement of one another. I mean, I can't tell you how many emails and phone calls and text messages and Facebook messages just me and my family have received from you checking on us. And I'm like, I should be the one checking on you. And, and you have so much faith that you are asking constantly. We're being asked as a church, well, how can we help? And is there anything we can do? And are there any needs that you know of in our community? Mountain Lake Church, you have an amazing faith. So thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for trusting Jesus with all of your heart and putting your faith in him. Yes, we can all work on our faith and yes, we can all grow in our faith. But don't miss this. You have an amazing faith already. Keep doing it, keep growing. Keep running hard, but don't miss that you have an amazing faith. Let me leave you with this. I read earlier out of Hebrews chapter 11 when we started our conversation about faith, which this week I would encourage you, read the rest of chapter 11. You'll see some incredible examples of faith. But let me read out of Hebrews chapter 12 and let this be my final encouragement to you this morning before we worship. Hebrews chapter 12, the end of verse one. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, speaking to his authority. Verse three though, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's my encouragement for you this morning, that you and I would not grow weary and that we would not lose heart. You have an amazing faith, an amazing faith that has been evident to all. May you not lose heart and may you not grow weary in your faith. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for the faith that you have instilled in us, for the faith that you have been growing in us. And I pray that you wouldn't stop. I pray that the faith that we already have would continue to grow, that the faith that we already have, we would continue to be active in our faith, that we wouldn't lose heart, that we wouldn't lose faith, that we wouldn't grow weary. So Jesus, help us to have an urgent faith where we run to you in our time of need immediately. May you be our first go-to. May we have a humble faith that comes to you with open hands and open arms with a submissive heart saying, I'm not even deserving, but are you willing? Because you're the king and I'm not. It's your will be done, not mine. May we have a smart faith that recognizes the truth of who you are. You are the ultimate authority. You are, I am. May we have an active faith, not a passive faith, but an act of faith where we are leaning into you and relying on our faith every moment of every day. Wherever we are spiritually, wherever our faith is at, Jesus, grow our faith as we grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.